be seated this morning. Amen. We, our first trip to Ukraine, we taught our Ukrainian friends that song. Uh, there wasn't much that we could do that first year in Ukraine other than just love the children and love our partners um, through smiles and through Google Translate, but we were able to take that song, Great Are You, Lord, and teach it to them. And um, I cannot sing that song without thinking about uh, Sergey, this young boy who uh, we wanted to actually come live with us. We tried very hard for him to come live with us. And we, Sergey right now is um, participating. He's not, he's not the 11, 12-year-old boy that he was those years ago. He's 17, 18 years old now. He's participating in the war effort in Ukraine. So, that song gets me a little emotional. But the, uh, the power of that song is not just this idea that of us being able to teach this song to these kids in Ukraine. The power of this song is the truth that he is good. And he's able to restore. Uh, a truth of the song is that the breath that is in our lungs was breathed into us by him. The life we have is, is his, that he's given us. I saw a quote yesterday that said, you know, whenever you praise, you're just giving God his breath back. So amen and amen and amen to this, that song and the songs we sing this morning. Um, let's do this. Let's bow our heads, humble ourselves before the Lord. Is there something that you want to specifically say, God, you're great for this this morning? And you, you, you say, God, you're great. And you want to share that with the Lord. I would invite you to do that. Maybe as we sing that song, you, you're longing for that restoration of that broken heart. You, go, you know God does restore broken hearts, and you're saying, God, please restore this. I'm going to give you a moment. You pray. You, you offer your praise. You, you offer your prayer, whatever it is. Great are you, Lord, or God, I need this restored. And I'll pray over us. Oh God, we do come to you, and Lord, we recognize that you are great. Lord, we're not just talking about your, your, your immensity and your power and your might, but we're talking about your character, God. We're talking about the God who, who, will not, who will not forsake us, this world that has turned its back on you. Me, whenever I turn my back on you. Me, whenever I rebel against you. 
You don't forsake me, Lord. But as Angie so beautifully said this morning, Lord, uh, the, the enemy tries to you know, rush me away from you, chase me away from you, and you are, you are running after me. You're running after all of us. And your character is great, God, and we love you and we thank you for who you are. God, um, I come to you right now, and Lord, um, I just, I'm still continually burdened for my friends in Ukraine and just even thinking about Sergei this morning. What's the last two weeks, two and a half weeks look like for Sergei? And whatever problems I've had, whatever uh, fears or concerns that I've had, they pale in comparison. Lord, I just pray for him and so many others. Two and a half million people, over two and a half million people displaced right now. Lord Jesus, come. Send your spirit. Either you come and on that white horse, or Lord, blow fresh your spirit. And then, Lord, uh, we need restoration, so we cry out for that. Cry restoration for my family, and Lord, my wife, weary this morning. Lord, I pray, and I just thank you for your good gifts. Thank you for friends who helped me and encouraged me this week whenever I was a single parent. Thank you for all your tender mercies. Lord, I lift up the prayers of my brothers and my sisters that they've made known to you. Lord, we, we testify you are great. Lord, might we not just say it with our lips in this place, but might our lives testify of it this week that we believe that you are great. Lord, please be with us over the next few moments. Uh, fill me with your spirit so I can preach and speak and teach about you, who you are. My any... Lord, I pray where things need to be clarified and cleared up, where old lies and old deceptions need to be removed, I pray that your spirit would go before me. I pray where we need to affirm and reaffirm solid truths that we stand on, may your spirit go before. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that you would, uh, you would be the one whose voice is heard today. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name. The name that is above every name. The name that one day every knee will bow before and every tongue will confess. Jesus is Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Um. I have vacillated in my life about what I think about the efficacy of prayer is. I don't know if y'all have gone through these seasons where you've 
where you've thought, man, my prayers are effective and effectual. Or if you've gone through those seasons where maybe you were taught, uh, your prayers don't change God's mind, they just change you. Anybody ever hear that? Right? The reason why you pray is not to change God's mind, but to change you. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, you've been in the situation too where you've either vacillated through seasons of thinking, man, yeah, there's, there's something, there's a power, there's a palpability to this thing that I'm doing that goes beyond just transforming me. And let me just say, prayer should transform us. I mean, I believe one of the biggest ministries that prayer has in my life is, is prayer is almost like therapy to me. And that's not to discount good therapists, so don't get me wrong. But prayer, I, I, I like going to God and going, God, this is what's going on. Blech. And I trust that the character of our God is that he says, bring it to me, baby. Like, come on, I can take it all. And I trust that because scripture tells me, cast my cares upon him because he actually cares for me. Scripture doesn't say, hey, hey, God's, God, God can't be busied about. You know who does that? The disciples did that to the children, remember? No, 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 no not, don't come to the master. And what's Jesus say? Step aside, let these children in. So I do believe that there is a transformative Nature, like a like whenever I pray, it there, it does something to me, my mind, my my heart, my attitude, my outlook. God ministers in those moments. Huh. And I have to believe based on scripture that my prayer actually actually gets heard by God. And at times, at times, and I'm not guaranteed this, but at times God hears my prayer and he says, you know that thing that looks like it's going to happen and it's going to be doom and it's going to be despair? That's not going to happen. Now, what challenges that for me, and it's probably challenged it for you, is, is not the times that my prayers have been answered, but the times that my prayers have not been answered. Before Brittany left for um, Alabama this week, I just happened to be studying... Um, and reading about Elijah and Elisha. And these are two prophets of God. Um, Elisha succeeded Elijah. And, um, and both of these men were able to um, raise dead boys to life. Through the power of God and his spirit. Elijah did it. He went into this boy's room and he laid over him and he prayed over him. And he, in Elisha, it's kind of an interesting story. Elisha went and he, he actually like laid 
on top of the young man. He says his eyes were where his eyes were and his mouth was where his mouth was and his hands were where his hands was. And, and he did it and he get up and he pray and, 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 and a little bit of life came and he went and did it again. And I was like, oh God, wouldn't that be amazing? Did you show me this? Because that's what's going to happen to you, Caleb. Oh God, right? I'm going, God, please. I almost told Brittany, like, hey, listen, you're just going to have to lay on top of him <laughs> and see what happens. And Brittany's crazy enough to do it, right? I mean, she is a wild card. So, um, here's the thing, though, that's what's interesting is. There's, I think there's teaching that says like, hey, like if a miracle happens, it's like, <clears throat> like you didn't get God to act. And the thing is, is whenever I read scripture, and I read like Psalms, I don't hear them praying like they're not trying to get God to act. One of my favorite people in this world, and they'll remain nameless because they are one of my favorite people, and I don't want you to ever hold them in doubt or suspicion, but one of my favorite, very favorite people in the world um, taught me one time and said, you know, all I do is I go to God and I pray and I ask if, if it could be done and if it's his will. And I just trust that if it's his will, it's going to happen. If it's not, it's not going to happen. And I was like, I like that. That solid aspect that you have about like God being God. But the text shows us people who stand in front of God's face and plead with him. We see it very early on in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 18, do y'all remember this story? It's a kind of a famous one. It involves a city getting burnt. The Lord shows up to Abraham. It's the angel of the Lord appears to, or comes to Abraham, stays with him, and he's about to go into this city, Sodom. And he says, uh, and the angel of the Lord says, well, should we tell Abraham what, what's going to happen in Sodom? And, and, and yeah, go ahead. Let, let, let's tell him what's going to happen in Sodom. And he tells him, hey, listen, because of the wickedness of the city has, has risen to such a degree, this city is going to be destroyed and Abraham doesn't go good I was hoping for that Abraham goes wait a minute wait a minute he said if you destroy the whole city like the righteous and the wicked are going to die together and he says God, God what if what if what if there's 50 righteous people in the city and see, here's what you should remember, too, is Abraham is kind of thinking this not just because he has a really good heart for Sodom, but because he has family in Sodom. 
And we have to remember this. Like, I think about this, like, you know, I'm really concerned about Ukraine. I was not that concerned about Afghanistan. And sometimes that's natural. Sometimes there's something that ties me to it. And I hope and I pray that God has other people that are tied to Afghanistan, to the war that's gone on there, to the regime change that has taken place, to now the Christians who are facing uh, hostility from their government. But I can tell you, I was kind of head in the sand about all that. But whenever it came to the people that I know, that I love, that I've walked with, to a country I've been to, I was like, no, 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 God, God, don't, don't, don't let this happen, God. So Abraham had family there, his nephew Lot. And I would imagine that Lot's family wasn't probably like the nuclear family, right? Mom, dad, two kids and a dog. I imagine Lot's family actually was probably like a lot of kids. And then, and, then, and then their family unit wouldn't just be their family. It would be all those people who like are their servants and their handmaids and like the, their, their whole entourage. And if we remember this, Lot was very wealthy. He and Abraham, like they had, they had amassed such, a, such flocks and herds that, that they couldn't stay in the same parcel of land. That's why Lot left. So Abraham has some interest in saving Sodom. He says, what if you find 50? And God says, okay, if I can find 50 righteous people. And then Abraham's like, well, let's say 40. And God says, okay, 40. And Abraham says, if 40 is good, what about 30? And God says, yes. And Abraham pleads with God. And he says, if you can find 10 righteous people. 10 righteous people, could the city be saved? And God says, if I can find 10 righteous. And I think Abraham was thinking, Lot, Lot's righteous, right? Lot doesn't really show himself to be such. But he does get spared. Abraham is the father of faith. For those of us who believe, that's how Paul outlines it in Romans. And I see this story with Abraham where Abraham is pleading with God believing believing that he can it's not a negotiation in the sense that we would think of a negotiation but even if you want to use that language okay but he's just God will you be merciful in this event will you be merciful in this event and what abraham does is is he he doesn't just he, he doesn't just have a discussion and a dialogue and a prayer with god where he's pleading with him abraham is actually doing this and he's doing it on behalf of others and what we call that is intercession
Abraham starts the journey that way. But he's not the only one who does it. Moses does it twice. Numbers 32, uh, Exodus 32, Numbers 14. Exodus 32, Moses is up in the mountain, up in Mount Sinai. He's receiving the commands of God. He's up there for 40 days, for 40 days and for 40 nights. At the base of the mountain, the people are going like, Moses went up into the mountain. We don't know whenever he's ever going to come back. And they said, hey, let's make a golden calf and we'll worship to it. And we'll worship in all the ways that we, that pagans worship. And, and it was a wily type of worship, not wily type of worship, right? But uh, uh, wild worship and, and, and sensual and, 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 and perverse worship. Whenever the King James Version says they rose up to play, they weren't playing hopscotch, y'all. as the Lord is there before Moses, he says, you need to get down the mountain. He says, because the people, they, 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 are, they are bowing to a, an idol. They're acting perversely. And he says, get down the mountain and I'm going to destroy these people and I'm going to start over with you. And Moses doesn't go, oh, there's nothing I can do because God has already said it. Moses goes, no, God, you can't do this. Well, what will, what will people say? They'll say he rescued them out of Egypt just so that he could kill them in the desert. God, you can't do this. What I always love about the story is it's kind of like, like, uh, like Moses like holds God back, you know, in, the, in this moment where he's interceding in his prayer. But if you know what happens, whenever Moses gets down the mountain, Moses loses his mind. He just starts wrecking shop on like all these people. He, he takes the golden calf and he grinds it into powder and he throws it into drink and he says, drink it. And a bunch of them die. <laughs> Thus is the word of the Lord, right? I mean, like, it is, but, but, but here's the thing. Moses doesn't just go, oh, God said that this is going to happen. And that's what's going to happen. And nothing we can do. Moses goes, what if I speak up? That's what Abraham did. Numbers 14 is whenever they get to the edge of the promised land and instead of going into the promised land, they send the spies and the spies come out and the spies say, hey, listen, it's everything that you that we could ever imagine and more, it's so good. And they're like, yeah, but there's giants in the land. And everybody went, right? Their bellies turned yellow. And again, God said, I'm just going to, I'm done. And Moses intercedes with God for the people. God says, I'm, again, I'm going to start over. It's just going to be you and me, Moses. We're going to make a beautiful family. And God says, okay, I'm not going to deal away with them all, but that first generation, that generation, they're not going in. Joshua does it in Joshua chapter number seven, whenever Achan stole some goods, whenever he was not supposed to steal some goods. 
Last week we began looking at the prophet Amos. And in Amos chapter number 7, the Lord, uh, Amos tells us a couple things that happened with the Lord. Amos says, Thus hath the Lord God shown unto me, and behold, he formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting up of the latter growth. All right. Um, the latter growth is the season, uh, the, the second harvest season, right? Months five and six. Grasshoppers here are not just grasshoppers, uh, but they're more like locusts, right? He showed unto me, behold, he formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting up of the latter growth. And lo, it was the latter growth after the king's mowings. So this is the second harvest. The king had already gotten his harvest. Right? He had already gotten his taxes, his revenue. And it came to pass that when they made an end of eating the grass of the land, the grasshoppers, that is, then I said, O Lord God, forgive, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. So, if you don't get this image and understand it, and if the King James Version wasn't clear enough for y'all, which sometimes it's so good, and today I was like, oh, I, think, I think I'll just go with the King James Version that I wrote. And the shooting up of the ladder growth Everybody, and I was like, why did I? <laughs> I want it to be clear. So here, locusts were going to come and destroy the crops. And Amos says, oh God, you need to forgive us because who can, who can survive this? Y'all know one of the effects of this war is that uh, uh, there's going to be food shortages and there's going to be food increases. We're upset about the gas, but there's going to be food increases because Ukraine uh, exports a ton of grain and corn. And then verse number three says, and the Lord repented for this. It shall not be, saith the Lord. So following after Abraham and his example and following after Moses and his example and Joshua and his example, Amos saw this vision of the Lord that said, hey, there's going to be a swarm of locusts that come and devour the land. And let's just remember, these locusts weren't just coming because God was like, you know what, oh, I woke up today and I was feeling bloody. Who can I hurt? No. The swarm of locusts were coming because the people, the people were described like this. 
How you hate honest judges. This is Amos chapter number five, verse number 10. How you hate honest judges. How you despise people who tell the truth. You trample the poor, stealing their grain through taxes and unfair rent. Therefore, though you build beautiful stone houses, you will never live in them. Though you plant lush vineyards, you will never drink wine for them. For I know the vast numbers of your sins and the depth of your rebellions. You oppress good people by taking bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. So those who are smart keep their mouths shut, for it is an evil time. This locust wasn't coming just because God was arbitrarily upset. It was an act of judgment, and God was saying, I'm going to send a, a judgment. And any time that these acts of judgment came, it was not for God to go, I just want them all dead. It was for God to rouse his people to repentance. Hey, look what you're doing. You're de- going in self-destructive and oppressive ways, and you need to stop. And I would say what we see going on in this world, instead of us just going like, I can't believe this is happening. We should go, oh my goodness, this world really is as beautiful and as joyful as we get to experience some things. It really is as bad as it seems right now. Our hearts really are crooked and perverse and exploitative and corrupt. Oh, God, we need you. God says, I'm going to do this. And Amos following after Abraham and Moses and Joshua said, oh, God, please no. Please forgive God. And the text says that God heard him. And answered. And the text says God repented. He changed his mind. Because somebody interceded. Verse number four says. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me. Behold, the Lord God called to contend by fire, and it devoured the great deep, and it did eat up a part. Then said I, O Lord God, cease, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise, for he is small. And the Lord repented for this. This also shall not be, saith the Lord. So God shows him another vision where fire is consuming. And Amos says, God, please stop. Please forgive us. Here's the thing. We can sit back and we can go, well, God's just going to be God and he's just going to do what he's going to do. And if we do that, I you might be able to find like a solid ground to stand on and be like, I'm going to let God be God. And that's good. But I can also say this. You can be equally biblical 
and say, God, I see the destruction that is coming. I'm no dummy to know what happens if Russia gets Ukraine. They probably don't just go, see, that's all we wanted, guys. I don't know why y'all made such a fuss about it. See, God's people, if we follow in the great tradition of Scripture, we are the people who stand in the face of God and plead. And we say, oh God, this is far too much. Will you please forgive? Will your spirit please move? You know, whenever it comes down to the gospel that you and I believe, that you and I trust in, the gospel is that Jesus is Lord. That's the declaration of the gospel. That this person, Jesus of Nazareth, he is actually Israel's Messiah and the Lord's true reigning king. Like he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Because he is, because he is this, then he is able to give us his spirit. Because he is this, he is able to rescue us and to redeem us. Because he is this, he is able to forgive us of our sins. He's the one who sits on the judge, judge's seat and he has the authority to say, yes, I will pardon your iniquities. Primary to the gospel that we believe, the story that reveals, or the, uh, through the story that reveals that Jesus is Lord, there is this moment where Jesus is on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. You and I, our faith banks on the fact the reality, the happening, the moment that Jesus interceded for you and for me. Because he said those words. When we go to God and we say, God, I'm so sorry. I, I knew, I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew that my words were going to cut so deep and I, I got a devilish grin whenever I, right before I said them, right? I knew I was going to hurt them whenever I said those words and I said them anyways. Please forgive me. Whenever I pray a prayer like that, do is that how y'all pray y'all's prayers? Or is it usually like, I mean, I didn't know, God, <laughs> all that was going to happen, you know, for like three-year-olds, you know, uh, what? Um, no, anyways, sorry. When we go to God and we beg him for forgiveness, our whole hope that he will forgive is rooted in the fact that Jesus on the cross interceded. And what we believe is that he's ever at the right hand of God making intercession for us. And to me, here's the deal. We're not just being good biblical people following the biblical story whenever we go and we plead with holy God and say, God, something has to give. This world cannot take this. But we're being good disciples of Christ. 
when you stand up and you intercede for the lives of others. That's what's interesting about all these stories. Abraham, God didn't say, hey, Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. You're going to die in the city. And Abraham goes, oh, no, I don't want to die. He says, These, this is going to happen to this city. And Abraham says, please don't. Other than being affected emotionally, Abraham he was going to get out with his life. Moses, God doesn't say, hey, Moses, get down from the mountain. I'm doing away with all of y'all. He says, Moses, I'm going to start over with you, son. <laughs> you and me, we're going to make a great big family. You don't see God saying to Amos, Amos, guess what? The interesting twist on all of that, though, is, is the one whose intercession that you and I trust his life was hanging in the balance. And the only two points that I want to make about that is this. Is for one, intercession really is on behalf of others. Like it's pleading for the sake of somebody else's life. And the other aspect of it is is this, is sometimes you and I will stop pleading for other people's lives when we feel like we're going through it. I'm going through a lot right now. And sometimes you are going through a lot right now. But Jesus shows us that even if we are going through a lot, if we are suffering, we should still be following his example and in interceding for others. And I say all this because I believe that we are people of God who need to stand up when we see what's going on. And we need to get into the Lord's ear, into his face, into his lap, on his shoulder, however you want to imagine it. And intercede. I say this because I hope that we can be a church that knows it's biblical to say, God, I want to see things happen another way. Now, the thing about maturity is if it doesn't happen the way we want to see it is us being able to continue to come back to God and trust him. I want to see us be those people who, like in Psalms, don't just go timid, weak, Gutless prayers before the before our Father. I want us to be going. God, I need you to act. 
And I'm praying with a spirit, with a fervor that says that when I can be heard by you and you will attend, you will act or you can act. And until you act, I'm going to keep coming back and back and back. Because I want us to be good disciples of Christ. Because I believe that every time you and I pray, Father, forgive them, we have an advocate who is saying, yes, Father, forgive them. My wife said to me the other day, she said, after all this Ukraine stuff first started, she said, I'm starting to see more power in prayer than I've ever seen. And I thought, that's a really good thing to come out of a really horrible situation. And I want us all to be opened up to that, uh, that, that reality and the power that we have, the authority that we have before God to come boldly before his throne. My brothers and my sisters, if I say any more, I'll just be rambling. I submit this to you, that we go from this place trusting that we have freedom to come before God interceding. But we also have example to come before God interceding. And in fact, I believe because Jesus' life is our command, we have a command to come before God, interceding. And I pray that we do so, not, I just don't want us to do so pathetically. I want us to do so, I want to do so, like believing, like, hey, I, I'm loved by God, and He cares. so that we can pray with some power. James tells us the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. I want our prayers to be effectual, fervent. And with that I say, amen. And we invite you.